Section 15 of the History Teachers Magazine, Volume 1, Number 3, November 1909. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adele Pooley. The History Teachers Magazine, Volume 1, Number 3. November 1909 Section 15 Ancient History in the Secondary School William Fairley, PhD, Editor Sparta, Athens, the Persian Wars The Greek Weakness The fact that we are now to trace the very distinct development of Athens and of Sparta points out an essential characteristic of the Greek race their division into rival and warring states. A fine question to arouse thought on the part of pupils is, how could little states so near together as Attica, Laconia, Arcadia and Boeotia come to differ so in their characteristics? Why were they not all developed nearly along the same lines, like the people of the United States? Let the children be brought to see that the lack of means of communication in contrast with our post and telegraph and newspaper, goes far to explain this. This isolated development, in spite of the common language, games and festivities, was a perpetual weakness of Greece. Sparta, her strength and her limitations. Sparta, unlike Attica, was essentially a military state. Her chief town needed no walls because it was always an armed camp. Botsford well points out that in earlier times the Spartans were probably the superiors of the Athenians in culture and refinement, but their self-imposed discipline made them a race of soldiers. We know that the Periaci were successful artisans and traders, but the controlling passion of the little nation was military efficiency. Everything seems to have been sacrificed to that. When the classes come to the glories of the Athenian Golden Age, it will be well to point out that while she has her scores of names which are luminous in art, literature, science and philosophy, from the annals of Sparta the world knows mainly Lycurgus, the lawgiver, and Leonidas, the hero of Thermopylae. If a teacher is inclined to cultivate in his pupils the idea that military glory is not to be the main concern, he may well use the Spartan record. Yet Sparta, with these limitations, played a mighty part in the story of the Greek struggle. Her armed efficiency more than once saved Greece as a whole when the less practical Athenian system had broken down. The Persian Wars The names of the famous contests are enshrined in the world's admiration. Aside from a formal knowledge of the fascinating struggle, deeper things are to be considered. What was the danger to Europe in this Persian attack? Persians were of the same race as Greeks. Why would it not have been well for them in their might to tack the little Greek city-states on as part of a great world empire? And the secret of the success of Greece in repelling them is to be found in the essential difference between the thoughtful, self-respecting Greek and the flogged and servile Persian. We speak of the man behind the gun. In those days, 
It was the man who held the sword. Athenian Development Athens and Switzerland are popular synonyms for democracy. Yet Switzerland has only become truly democratic within the past century, and Athens never was truly so. This has been alluded to in a preceding article. What did happen in Athens was a wonderful growth from aristocratic exclusiveness towards democracy. The gains that were made brought about finally a state of things that was never approached elsewhere in the ancient world, save possibly in the Hebrew Commonwealth. For this advance, all honour is due the men of Athens. A comparative study of the earlier constitution with the successive reforms of Solon and Cleisthenes may well be used to point out that the common people were more and more coming into their own. West, on page 125 of his Ancient World, has a table of some of these constitutions, which might well be completed as a blackboard exercise. It will then at once become apparent what direction reform was taking. Note, however, the weakness of the executive and the reason for it, i.e. the Greek jealousy of individual or continued power. Show how the tyranny of Pesistratos was almost the inevitable result of this weakness of the executive. The exclusion of foreign, even Greek, settlers from citizenship, save in exceptional cases, was entirely contrary to our ideas. And the existence of slavery in the person of captives in war and of poor debtors was a fatal blot on the democracy and the welfare of Athens, as of all the Greek states. The social struggle, with its various mitigations of the lot of the very poor, parallels the political strife. Our children are breathing in, from the papers and from current discussions, the idea that our social inequalities and our contest between capital and labour are a new phenomenon. They ought to learn that such contest is almost world-old. We have new elements, such as the vast individual fortune and the part taken by the corporations both unknown in Old Greece, but the essential features of the struggle were the same. And the tendency of 2400 years ago, as well as of today, was and is to give larger right and opportunity to the common man. Greek Poetry and Architecture Some school historians and teachers decry the effort to mingle with the political history any study of Greek art. But to the writer's mind, that would be a robbery of the children. Our modern life is so saturated with things almost purely Greek in origin that our budding citizens, who may never get elsewhere a glimpse of the origins of so much that is beautiful, ought surely to get such glimpses now. In towns large enough to contain varied examples, the teacher can show the Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian styles by going with his classes to the buildings illustrative of each, or at least by telling where such may be found. In the smaller towns, pictures of famous buildings may be used. Remember that the dome is not Greek, but Roman. In like manner, the poetry of the Greeks may be used. The epic, the elegy, the lyric, and their great exemplars call for mention. The drama comes a little later. 
metre appears to have been of Greek origin. Some of its distinctions are worth a few minutes, and here is opportunity for correlation with the work in English literature. Our poetic forms go back to the people we are studying now. A recent writer makes a caustic comment that with most teachers, correlation is a poor relation. Rightly viewed, it would appear that no subject better than history furnishes the opportunity for sidelights on other branches of the student's work. For here we get the beginnings of so many things that are commonplaces with us. But they were new ones, and so many of the choicest of them had their birth in the little land and among the wonderful people of our present study. A digression. The difference between a good history teacher and a poor one lies largely in the skill and purpose of the former in making his work vivid. Vividness is best secured by a comparison of these ancient conditions with our own. And it is a scholastic crime that a child should be allowed to run away with such a notion as this, that at Salamis the Greek forts on the shore bombarded the Persian fleet and saved the day, or that the Persians steamed away in despair. These are real examples. Such a child needs waking up. Ask him if he knows what a marathon runner is, and show that by means of such runners the place of the telegraph in our modern life was taken. Pictures may be made of great service. Teachers in our great centres, who have their own history rooms, with their proper apparatus and adornments, have a great advantage here. But humbler means, like the Perry pictures, are available by all. Carthage and the Greeks A topic often neglected is a Carthaginian invasion of Sicily. That was part of an age-long struggle between a great commercial empire and the peoples of different races, whose main idea was not commercial supremacy. Punic trader and Spartan soldier have left small mark on the Temple of Fame. Yet not long ago, I heard one of our modern iconoclastic historians sharply question whether it might not have been better for the world in the end if Carthage had beaten both Greek and Roman. The Athenian Empire Doubtless trade plays a larger part in political development than many people think, and desire for trade and wealth was a great motive in the upbuilding of the Athenian Empire out of the Delian League. It is a shady chapter, like many another island annexation. Similarly, it may be said that our spoiling the Dutch of New Netherland was questionable, yet but for that we might have had no United States. Politically speaking, out of evil, good has come. It was the half-pirated wealth of Venice that led to her artistic glory. So the wealth and political preeminence that Athens gained out of the Delian League gave her genius means and scope for its perfect flowering in the age of Pericles. And that will bring us to our next chapter. End of section 15